that's some shit that you don't do. I'ma say rap on my nigga. That's some shit that I'm gonna do. Fuck all the commas. Let's fuck all some commas, nigga. Let's fuck all some commas. Do this shit wrong. Welcome to a long-awaited and well-overdue edition of the podcast. Tonight, I'm joined by a very special guest, someone that I think most people thought may be ready to leave the league or hand in his license a quarter of the way through the season and let Ed take over his team. Oh, sorry, LJ, not Ed. And that's Jaden. Thanks for joining me tonight, mate. How are you going? I'm well, Francie. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me on. Sorry, I couldn't be on sooner, but uh, definitely good to be here and answer few questions from the league members yeah well there's a lot of heat on you at the moment you've really copped some flack but i think the reason you were joining tonight is so we can all get an invite to yoey's wedding which i think is a good <laughs> thing that you've done for the league. yeah seeing uh seeing all the photos from uh from ed's wedding on the weekend that noticeably none of us uh, got an invite to um <laughs> hopefully a few more of us can get to can get to yoey's but yeah i'm not sure uh not sure if everyone will be getting invited, but we'll see. As the former commissioner, what do you think is a fair fine for Ed for not inviting us to his wedding? Um, oh, that's a good question. Um, I think he has to cop something and uh, kept it kept it pretty under wraps. Maybe even like a, an invite to the Bucks or something. But um, yeah, I think probably. Five bucks a league member, I would say. I think that's fair. Like, imagine just forgetting to tell the league that you're getting. Just married. didn't even mention it. Like, <laughs> no, I'm just getting married. The most important thing <clears throat> in my life, and I'm, I'm not going to tell my new best man. <laughs> correct, correct. We're a brotherhood in the league, so uh, so shielding that from everyone. I only found out because a um, a chick at work was also going going to the wedding, and I found out that he had a missus and was engaged and was yeah getting married this weekend. So. Uh, all hit me in a bit of a shock, but yeah, no, unfortunately, not anyone could go apart from Lockie. But I think he, uh, from the looks of things, made up for a few other people that weren't there. Looks like he had a good time. It was almost a very anticlimactic end to the weekend for Ed. He lost to Debo at the last minute. How would you be feeling right now if you were there? Massive weekend, got married, but you've lost. You know, does it maybe overshadow <laughs> what your weekend was? Well, yeah, you got married. He's I mean, tainted forever. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Like it's supposed to be the best day of your life, kind of thing. But now you just look back on it and remember um, choking against Don's Don's. Um, but yeah, I think when you combine for what they have sixty points between their quarterbacks and still still couldn't win, um, that's yeah, got to be pretty disappointing for those boys. But I'm sure, he'll be uh, off on the honeymoon soon, and we'll forget all about it. Certainly, and. You mentioned before that you were told by someone in the work office that Lockie would be attending Ed's wedding or so, or something along those lines. And I've had a question coming from an anonymous member of the league. And he said, was there a bit of office romance between you and Aloise Abraham? She spoke very fondly of you to certain league members, apparently Adam's now sister-in-law. <laughs> no, I uh, can confirm there was no romance between Eloise and I, but uh, she's a very lovely girl. If, uh, any single league members would be interested. I can, uh, I'm sure that Ed or I could arrange that. Even Macca, maybe. I think he's um, the, probably the, the main desperate in the league and you could probably set him up, get your cousin on the right track. But I want to talk about a massive result for your team. You've been under the pump. 
your activity has probably been at an all-time low for, for whatever reason and your results have sort of struggled as well. You've only scored 758 points for posted two wins, albeit going down narrowly to myself last week. You've responded big win over Dimas. You're probably going to post a nice score around about that 130. Sorry, you have posted 135.62. Yeah, look, I'll be honest. My team is uh, it's struggling. Um, I don't like logging on and uh, looking at my roster, but it was good to it's good to get a win this week. I'll be at uh, over Dimas, who he's on eighty five with uh, one player to play. Um, but yeah, I'll take the win. I was pretty unlucky last week to lose to yourself, um, so could easily be uh, sitting at four and four and still in the hunt for finals. Um, not going to rule it out yet, but you'd say it's uh, you'd say it's unlikely. Um, but yeah, I think I've uh, made a few poor decisions across the year. Um, but I guess the team uh, team could be worse than what it is. I don't think I've got the worst team in the league. Uh, Uncle Lenny breaking out as he has has sort of kept me afloat. Um, but yeah, I don't uh, don't think I'm going to be contending this year. But hope to uh, disrupt some finals campaigns along the way. And when you logged in and looked at your matchup this week and saw that Dimas was starting Robbie Anderson, were you quietly confident that you would be winning? Um, yeah, well, I couldn't really talk because I was starting Tim Patrick and Nelson Aguilar in my wide receivers. So they're no, uh, no world beaters themselves. But yeah, Robbie Anderson, um, looking at his year, well, he's the 60th wide receiver and Dimas has started him pretty much every single week. Hasn't scored above nine points since week one. Um, I think that's probably someone who can head to the waivers um, pretty soon. But yeah, Dimas, uh, yeah, it wasn't his best week. We had um, Waller out, Murray out, Golladay out, Lamb out. So I got him at a, at a good time, but still probably not one of the contenders in the league this season, unfortunately, for Dim. And, you know, much to Dim's credit, he's put up a little bit of a fight. He did have White, Lamar Jackson benched, PJ Tucker, how's that feel? White Lamar Jackson, <laughs> PJ Tucker. I'm very confused. Where you Walker, going. sorry, Walker. I've done it. PJ Tucker. Like he plays, uh, plays small forward for the Bucks, doesn't he? Yeah, no, that's how. What... It's throwing me off because I was watching this morning and Scott Hansen called um, him Tucker, the backup quarterback, and it's just stuck in my head. I've just maybe oh, did he? it's the great Scott Hanson. So. Were you watching Red Zone this morning, Jaden? I was watching Red Zone. Yeah, I got up, uh, got up for the start. I probably drifted back off around like five-ish, and then uh, woke back up for the end of the first lot of games. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty boring, boring Red Zone. Like my team scored all right, but it was only really because of because uh, of Evans, and he was in the late window. My early guys were pretty disappointing again. Antonio Gibson, who. You talked up all pre-season and then I bought the hype at some point and traded for him, gave up gave up the farm, really. Now looking at how Joe Burrow is going and now Gibson's got a broken leg pretty much that he's playing through and just scraping together what he can. But yeah, red zone wasn't very exciting. There hasn't been many exciting red zones for my team, unfortunately. I think they've all been quite disappointing for everyone, really, along the way. 
Um, and especially with Gibson as well, I think I'm almost a used car salesman. He had a rough start of the season. He scraped together a couple of games, putting up touchdowns, scoring 14 and 20. And you're taking him on. He scored 3.4 and 6.6. But I just wanted to talk about that quickly. Are you ruining, ruining some of those trade decisions as well? You did trade Matthew Stafford for and Travis Kelsey for Russell Wilson. Yeah. Well, I think looking back on that trade, I still think at the time, it made sense to me. Obviously, looking back on it now, so I traded Alan Robinson in that deal, who is literally a waiver. So he was supposed to be like a top 15 uh, wide receiver. Um, Russell Wilson, I was happy with until obviously broke his fingers. Not much I could do to predict that. So I think yeah, at the time, it was okay. It was it was a move that I thought was good for my team. But looking back on it now, obviously, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty terrible. Um, and had to. Had to offload uh, Russ to me to get Kirk Cousins, um, which, yeah, is a, a big downgrade. Had to sell low on yeah, Wilson, McCaffrey to just keep myself in the hunt. And, yeah, it's a shame, really. Uh, and at the end of the day, you can't predict those injuries and you can only do with what you've done. You've given yourself every opportunity to scrape together those wins and, and Mike Evans being able to help you along the way. Carson Wentz was a good acquisition as well. For some reason, he's been good this year. I don't know how or why, but... Enough of the matchup. Yeah. How's your commitment moving forward? There's been a lot of questions about it so far this year. Do you think it's maybe just hype and noise, people trying to bring down another member like they did to uh, Yoey? Oh, well, I think in the league, you always want uh, the 12 most active people people you can. So I get uh, I get those questions. Um, but yeah, I still, uh, still really enjoy the game of fantasy and the strategy behind it and uh, talking trades people who message me probably apart from uh, Macca recently sorry Macca but um, we've had pretty good discussions and gone quite deep in trade talks and I feel like I've been pretty reasonable to negotiate with so I'm still active enough um, in that respect but yeah I'm probably a little bit behind on uh, all the shenanigans that go on in the league these days I'm not quite uh, up with that but yeah the game itself I uh, still enjoy and I'm quite committed to playing if everyone will have me but I get that there are a few people knocking on the door too so that'll be uh, something for Bill to sort out at the end of the year I guess. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing some of the shenanigans even myself and Brill have noticed in the last week <laughs> really take away from your productivity and day-to-day life it's, I even said to give I was like you know it's like the mental maturity of the 16-year-old. Um, but that's our good friend, Gib. You know, he keeps things lively. But another person, though, potentially is trending in your direction is Lance Phillips. His activity has been a little bit questionable lately, I would have thought. Yeah, he has been quiet. I thought that. Um, but it sort of goes in uh, It goes in waves. Like, I remember a season a couple of years ago where, like, Dimas had fallen off the face of the earth. Like, we never heard from him. And he left the league at the end of the year. And then we talked him back into coming in the next season and he won and now he's sort of one of the most committed guys in the league. So I think with guys like uh, guys like Liam, um, you've got to sort of stick by him and trust that they'll come back around. Liam's always been hit and miss. He's never been one just with that constant, you know, just dribble in the league like, you know, myself or Mead or Comer or... Yeah. He's uh, he's not a troublemaker. He's not a shit stirrer. I think he uh, is similar to me in that he uh, enjoys the game of... Uh, of fantasy rather than everything else that uh, goes with the league. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's very entertaining. But, yeah, he's probably uh, probably interested more in the sport itself than uh, the F1, marry one, Q1s, etc. 
Definitely. And, and that leads me to the next question that has come from someone that wants to stay strictly anonymous. Uh, does it hurt seeing Gib, who you brought into the league, achieve so much success? No, of course not. Of course not. Um, me and Gib have obviously had our differences of opinion over the many years of the league, but I think he's been a good addition to the league. I think everyone would agree with that. It would be a different place uh, without him in it. So I'm glad I got to introduce a person such as uh, such as Gib into all of your lives, I guess. It would be, uh, imagine where you'd all be if you hadn't hadn't met Gib. So I uh, hope you'll uh, appreciate that. And I hope Gib uh, kind of appreciates that I brought him into this league all those years ago. Yeah, it was really nice that you welcomed in the lonely Asian fellas of the league and we were taking him with open arms. Um, he's corrupted comma. Comma would probably be in a better place financially, mentally, physically, um, if it wasn't for meeting Gib. Um, Gib's my number one investor in all my horses and my, my horse business. So it's good to have him there for that financial reward. So, you know, for all your flaws and Gib, it's great to have you here. But enough of pumping Gib's tyres. You mentioned that you are really confident in your ability to grind out this season and it's going to be up to, you know, the league if you are here next year, but are you committed to continuing on next year in terms of a fantasy sense and a little bit more activity, if that's what it means to keep your role? Yeah, I still, I still enjoy it. Um, this year hasn't really, uh, hasn't really gone my way, which I think anyone would say that it does contribute to how active you are. I'm sure if I was uh, rocking out McCaffrey averaging 22 points a game and Russ and Gus Bus had broken out. Um, I'd be more around than I am. Not that that's any fair excuse. You should be active anyway, but I think that's just uh, just how it goes. I wish I had those guys running around. I'd be more interested, I think, than getting up at 3.30 to watch Nelson Aguilar and uh, Michael Carter. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm still, still committed. I, uh, yeah, I enjoy I enjoy NFL and fantasy. Um, it'd be nice to be able to... It hasn't really worked out well for me when we've done our league meetings and gone away for the draft and stuff. I've had a lot of other shit on. So I think if I'd be able to come to those, that would sort of help um, my activity. Get to know a few of the boys uh, boys better. Um, but yeah, we'll wait and see how, how I'm looking for next year when it comes. But as of right now, I'm interested if... Uh, if Brill have me back, so yeah, we'll have to talk to him about it, I suppose. Definitely. And I agree with everything you said about it's hard to stay motivated when your stars are injured and you're watching Michael Carter and Nelson Aguilar go around. I remember when I was one and four only two weeks ago, you sort of have to almost fake your passion for the league because you know that you're going to be there next year. It's hard to stay motivated throughout the season and, and wake up at 3.30am on a Monday morning when you've got a job and work and all those things. So, um, these last couple of wins couldn't have come at a better time for you as well to, you know, potentially have that interest and you can get through till next season. But that's a question that I wanted to ask. You mentioned that you're keen to get to more of the, the end of season breakups to get a bit more active. And this is a question that's come from an anonymous member once again. And he wants to know what your thoughts are on the increasing narcotic culture uh, surrounding some of the members. And, and would you partake in the shenanigans the Comma and Gibb and Mac and Dimmer are getting into at the end of season breakups. Um, yeah, probably uh, probably hasn't helped my activity levels. I suppose it's not really uh, not really my scene, um, but I'm sure I could still uh, go and have a good time with everyone um, and not uh, 
not judging those members of the league who do partake in the in those activities. Um, they're probably not something I'll I'll get involved in. But if that, uh, I don't think that's a requirement of being in the league at the moment. If that uh, if that does get brought in as a rule next year, then uh, we might be having some discussions. But for now, I think I can still fit in okay without that. Um, that's up to the rest of you to decide, I suppose. Yeah, it's almost like the the mandatory vaccination laws in in Australia, <laughs> Victoria. So you, you have to have the vaccine if you if you want to work and you want to play sport. It's almost like you have to have some um, horse trunk if you if you want to be a member. Um, I think the Dugowies are slowly trying to enact that and enforce those legislations, but behind the scenes as well. But this is a question that relates to the Dugowies, and um, both members want to know. What group would you most like to be a part of in the league, and and why is it their organisation that are going? Oh, so the groups in the league, it's is it the Dugowies? Obviously, the Ketamides now are rising to power pretty quickly. What are the other groups? Can you can think, you fill me in? I think there's just the two, and there's just the two. And Ketamides, is, it's not really even a real organisation. It's pretty much just like a, a piss tag of the Dugowies, really. Like it's just there to mock them. I don't think they realise that. Like, the I'm, other group that um, would definitely be my last choice would be the Kamish group because that is a nightmare. Um, and I think Brill is uh, is finding that out in, in recent weeks. Uh, that is uh, that is hard work. So that would be my lowest choice and then he can uh, toss a coin between the other two. Yeah. And that's a question in itself is how do you think Brill has gone this year in stepping into the role of commissioner? He's had some... Difficult moments. Do you think that he's come through those with passing, uh, sorry, flying colours? Um, I think he's done a better job than uh, than anyone else would have. So I think he was the right man to take over. Um, yeah, I think he's he's done a good job. Probably not uh, perfect. No one's going to be perfect. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't perfect. Um, yeah, I probably. Uh, was a bit disappointed how he didn't uh, fully stand up in the face of all the Dugowie heat amongst the uh, George situation. I thought he should have uh, stuck with the penalties imposed to the Dugowies because uh, I think everyone knows the um, collusion that goes on in the, in the Dugowies group chat. So I think uh, trying to put a stop to that when he uh, had the chance would have been something to get people to really respect his uh, position as commissioner and try and stop some of all the all the back channels that are that are going on in the league. Um, I've had a couple of times where you're messaging someone about a trade and then you get an offer from another member of the Dugowies like an hour later with the exact same players from my side involved. So you kind of put two and two together and know there's uh, there's some shady stuff going on. Um, so that's probably the next step for Brill to really uh, stamp that kind of stuff out of the league. How he does that, I'm not too sure. But, yeah, it's definitely a big challenge for him. It's like the Asian wet markets, the Dugowies and their activities. You know you know that it's happening. You really want to put a stop to it because it would be beneficial to the safety of everyone around. But you just, no matter what you do, you just can't stop it. And if you were commissioner and you were given one task and it was to, to stop their illegal activities, how would you do it? <laughs> is it as simple as, like, just kicking them out of the league? Like, is that the only solution? It's hard because, yeah, you obviously want those guys uh, in the league. They provide a lot of value. Um, and I don't think really they, uh, they don't have much of, much of an impact. They're not, like, uh, colluding between themselves. I, I think uh, all the Dugowies would um, 
definitely try and like jump in on a trade and get a good deal for them if it betters their team, right? They're not letting the other one win to make their team worse. Like everyone in this league wants to win uh, just as bad as each other. Um, So I think from that respect, we're okay. Um, I don't know, George would probably let Gabe win at this point because he (laughs) doesn't do anything for him. Um, So that's probably one you've got to keep an eye on, George. He might sacrifice himself if uh, he just to say that he... What's that? Sorry. Well, I mean, you know, back in the day when you were a weak commissioner, didn't put your foot down and, and veto the the uh, AP for sacking Cohen trade. Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, I let that happen. In hindsight, probably shouldn't have because yeah. Is that a stain? Take advantage of. Is that a stain on your legacy, allowing that trade to go through and then creating the spiral of events that led to Yoey also getting Tyreek Hill, George Kittle, and winning the league? <laughs> well, I um, I the best team all year that year, which makes it even worse. And I think the top in points. And then uh, Yoey came home with a with a wet sail and uh, and won the league. So yeah, that that still hurts, but at that point we weren't really um, blocking any trades unless there was collusion. And you thought at the time, for whatever reason, you were making a good trade for your team. Um, and so we sort of just left it at that. But yeah, that um, does hurt looking back on it and I think a similar situation might happen between uh, Gib and George. So we'll uh, have to take a close look at things going forward. Yeah, everything happens for a reason, Jay. All the little moments that have happened in the league's infancy is setting us up to be better as well. Like, it's like all societies, they progress over time. Like, there's, you know, you draconian laws that, and things were easy to get away with back in the day, but not so much now. We're, we're slowly progressing. Um, the anti-bullying reform that I've really wanted for years, I think, is slowly come into place at that moment after George was manipulated by the Degoes, which is great. But just one question I want to ask you, moving on to a bit more fantasy, is, is whose team do you think wins it from here? Is it- Firstly, on the, uh, on the George situation, those messages is everything we don't want to happen in this league. That, was, uh, that hurt me as a, a former commissioner of the league to see... Uh, see and message Gabe Comer and Dimas and ask him what his counteroffer should be to my trade. That um that was embarrassing, I think. So I think Pitts is very lucky to still be kicking on in this league after that. And it's not something that uh I'm gonna forget anytime soon. That was uh, pretty embarrassing for I think. Sorry, what was your what was your question? And the other question I probably forgot what I was asking, but it Oh, who wins the league from here? Is that it? Yeah. Um, is it me? Is it simple as that? Yeah, I do apologise to the league for uh, giving him Russ for the run home. Um, but I don't think it's like, with fantasy, you can't say that one team's definitely going to win. Like, no matter how stacked they are, there's... Uh, I'm just looking at the ladder here. I've got a I've got a 30% chance of making the playoffs. That's very generous. Um <laughs> Anyway, um, I think Meade would have to be the favourite. But if you're giving me, does he win the league, yes or no, I would say no. So I'd probably take the field over him. Who, I'm not sure. Um, There's just, yeah, so much that can happen between now and then. I'll say Meade doesn't win it. But um, the other options don't really uh, jump out at me. Um, I don't think George wins it. Um, I think, yeah, you look at like a... Uh, Mac or a Chad, they'll be around the mark. You think those guys will play finals? Comma, if McCaffrey comes back healthy, um, could be a league-winning 
return. But yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's interesting because if you look at Mead's team at the moment, he's put up 134 and with arguably one of his weaker teams. And I'll just go through his roster if they're all fit and healthy. Kyle Murray, Saquon Barkley, Derek Henry, Justin Jefferson, DeAndre Hopkins, Debo Samuel or Michael Thomas, um, Tyler Higby, Kareem Hunt, uh, Russell Wilson, and he still can't even start Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Buffalo defense. Like, is that probably the greatest fantasy roster ever, ever assembled? Yeah, thinking back through the uh, best teams we've had in this league, you'd probably say Chad's winning team was up there. Um, the team I had the next year was very good until Yoey's team. Then Yoey's team in that playoffs is probably one of the better teams we've had. Um, the Brilliantaires had a stacked team. I think it was not last year, the year before. Yeah, when they lost. Um, yeah, that team was very, very strong. Um, this one, yeah, it would have to be right up there. Um, uh, yeah, probably wouldn't have made the Edwards Hilaire trade if I was me, to be honest. But the Russ one was good for him. And yeah, if Thomas comes back remotely healthy, his uh, wide receivers are very stacked. Yeah, it's a great team. You look at it now and you think, yeah, how's it ever going to lose? But a lot can change. Kyler usually gets banged up in a season. He took some big hits as well this week, even though they won. Um, it doesn't take much, like a Derek Henry injury uh, Derek Henry injury can like change everything. So yeah, I wouldn't uh, wouldn't be counting his chickens and writing his name on the trophy just yet. And on the flip side of that, who wins the Sacco? It's going to be fiercely contested at the bottom. Dennis has been disappointing, but you look at Liam, who's obviously going to be three and four, and he scored what six hundred and sixty-five points. I think he's only posted hundred this week, so he scored seventy to ninety points worse than every single person in the league. And this is a theme that's been going on for the last two years. He's just been deplorable every year. Um, yeah, there's something uh, something not quite right with Liam at the moment. You can tell by the fact he hasn't... Like, when was his last trade that was of any significance? Like, he's yes, barely he's... even been in, barely been in the lab, which for Liam is unbelievable. Like, through past years, he's probably been the most active member on the trade table and has made some uh, some huge splashes over the time and with all these pieces that he's got like I'm sure people are knocking down his door for Tyreek, Devontae, Kamara and he he hasn't budged um, so yeah I think something something's up with Liam and he might not be uh, like he said not as active as as he used to be um, but yeah you think once Gallup comes back Kittle comes back with the star power he's got I think he'll be able to survive winning the Sacco. Um, and, yeah, something's going to have to change. Maybe he does have to trade one of those studs I to think try and build yeah. build around his team. Because, yeah, he's um, going to lose Hubbard as a starter very soon as well. Um, Davis is a is a waiver. Um, yeah, he's got he's to do something, I think. Yeah. And Hunter after- Story's got, uh, he's got Dante Pettis. That's classic. Good one, Liam. Of course he does. He has to have Baby Keenan. I think the other Baby Keenan. I think he may have traded um, for Vance McDonald and Baby Keenan for Cooper Cup to me the other year. Actually, that was one um, a moment in time, I think it was two years ago, where your commissioner roles were... T- um, sorry, your commissioner credentials were really tested by me. I reckon we might have spent two to three days back and forth, back and forth exchanges to let that trade go through. And we eventually got it. You eventually caved. 
Yeah, that, that does ring a bell. Was there like a – did you add more in the trade or something? Like I reckon I might have added 19 pints or like some <laughs> ridiculous defense. And eventually got it through. And I think it was more so you were just sick of me messaging like 300 times a day and Cup ended up being the wide receiver one for the first 10 weeks and then died. Yeah, that was that was in the point where Liam uh, could get baked at 2 a.m. and just start sending out ridiculous trade offers and uh, – you yourself are lucky for one to fall on your lap. So that hasn't happened this year, which uh, which is weird. But yeah, I do uh, I do remember that scenario. And yeah, you're quite uh, quite persistent when uh, you're trying to get something done for your team. And I think, like you say, and uh, like Brill said, when you're sitting at work trying to trying to get a few tax returns done, and you've got 500 messages from Jackson France <laughs> abusing you and uh, <laughs> saying how much of a spastic you are, then uh, you do have to cave to that sometimes. And uh, and just get it done. Yeah, so, um, you know, those enforcers tactics that, you know, get it over the line. But I think with Liam, and you're an educated man, Jade, have you heard of the five stages of grief? <laughs> I think... I've heard of. I can't go through all five yeah, stages. I'll, I'll, you, but... I'll run through them. So, into, Liam obviously went into the season with a, a no RB strategy, a no QB strategy. So, he's he stacked his wide receivers for whatever reason and I think at one point what he had Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams and Stefan Diggs so he had the, the big three and um, you know I started off all well and good he, he had a fir- good first week he beat me because um, I started McKissick and then it slowly stepped into denial and then it went to anger and I think at the point now that he's he's at the bottom point which is depression so that's why we're not hearing from him and eventually he'll come to that acceptance and he, he'll start sh- changing so if people are being harsh on Liam just realize that he's going through the you know the five stages of grief and he will come out the other side yeah he will and I actually liked his uh I like his team at the draft um I think he actually drafted pretty well I didn't hate the zero RB approach um losing ETN like straight away like it kills you losing guys like that even look at my season where it's gone wrong and I think like just getting nothing for um Gus Edwards just like it kills you losing that spot. Um, but yeah, the team like he drafted uh, he drafted Kareem Hunt. So if he'd like just sat on him, um, his team would have been looking alright. And zero RB, you were um, zero RB. You're hoping to land like a Hubbard. That's like the dream. And he he nailed that. He got that. Um, maybe in hindsight, you probably try and trade him to someone who needs some quick points um, and build a longer term team, but. Yeah, I think uh, I think he drafted okay. It just yeah hasn't worked out. He hasn't been able to find those uh, those depth pieces. And with how big our benches are, there's not much out there on the waivers for you to get by. Um, you can't start like four waves a week, which is what he's been doing, and hope to hope to get by. Um, I just want to look through some things that went on with Kareem Hunt. So Kareem Hunt was drafted at seventy six. It was a trade done from. Oh, is this all a part of the trade where it's like Cream Hunt was traded to Pitts for Geo Bernard? Was that a part of a three-way? This got- I, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you. Because cause it was, it, here it's saying Cream Hunt was traded from Phillips to Pitts for Geo Bernard. Yeah, so when the three-way trades get done, you sort of have to do them through manually. So it looks a bit weird when you're going through the, through the history. Um, I don't think Liam... Would ever get that baked that he would trade uh, Kareem Hunt for Gio Bernard? But yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, but as we conclude things, Jay, on the flip side, who do you think wins 
who do you think, like, we didn't really get to the question, who, who does win the Sacco? Is it Liam? Um, the Sacco winner will be, will be Dimas. Okay. Um, I'm pretty confident on that. Coming up against him this week, there just wasn't much there that, uh, that scared me. Um, I don't think he's been... Uh, I don't even think Dimas has been that active in uh, trying to make his team better. I haven't uh, seen him make any plays for a while. I heard from him on the trade table. So I think Dimas is the favourite from here. Um, yeah, the running back crew of Connor Booker, um, who obviously has no value once Saquon comes back, Elijah Mitchell, Latavius Murray, there's not a lot there that scares you. Um, so he would be my pick because I'm not sure he's going to make his team better. I think uh, Liam has some upside to actually improve his team still. It's still, um, there's a long way to go in the season. Um, I think I'll be around the mark, but um, I know you said uh, haven't been as active, but I can promise I'll always be uh, trying to win and improve my improve my team when I can. So I think I can avoid uh, avoid the sacco, um, but we will see. I think this podcast, Jay, has been you know really beneficial. Actually, it was on a whim a little bit, and I think you've reestablished yourself to the league that does listen to the podcast. You are here to stay, um, and, and you're not going, you know, for your activity, for better or worse. They just have to accept this is how you are, and you're always going to be giving yourself the best opportunity to win. But I want to end on a question about myself. After winning this week and posting a huge score, beating Commonwealth, I now move to sixth position on the ladder, which is rightfully a position that I've had in the last five seasons. Will I become a six-time finalist? I've learned, uh, I've learned not to doubt your ability to make finals, Jackson. Um, you're always, always around the mark. Just looking through your team now, um, yeah, you, had a lot, you had a lot out this week. Cook, um, Thielen on the bench and still dropping your 170. Um, if Deshaun gets traded, that could be a huge view. I saw a few rumours floating around. Um, but what's, uh, what is your plan for your team? That might help me answer that question. Is Cook still on the trade table? I saw you were trying to offload him last week. Um, he has to be, but the problem where I'm at is obviously traded him for CD Lamb and DeAndre Swift, which in hindsight is terrible. Like Cook and Swift probably really aren't that far apart the way Swift's been playing. And CD Lamb is you know, a bona fide wide receiver one, which would then allow me to be able to move Alan Robertson for a pack of small honey soy. Um, yeah. So, yeah, look, Cook's got to be on the trade table, but I've just got to realise that I'm not going to get an RB1 and a wide receiver one. It's going to be more so and a low-end RB1 and a wide receiver two if I'm to do it. But then I've got a lot of things to move around. Like, I've got to try and move Alan Robertson or Claypool, who aren't the most desirable trade targets. Same as Tyler Boyd. Like, my receivers are pretty mediocre. So, um, you know, no one wants Daddy Gaskin after he's posted a 27 and a 15. Just forget he posted a two. Just forget it. <laughs> No one wants uh, Daddy Gaskin. I'm looking at Alan Robinson's season. That is just depressing. He hasn't cracked double-digit fantasy points in a game. As yeah, that's got to be the got to be the biggest bust of the season, right? As we wrap things up, Jake, can we just talk about Alan Robinson? He thrived as a top ten wide receiver under Mitch Trubisky for fucking four years, and everyone's like, yeah. "Oh, Alan Robinson's you know never had good quarterback play," and then they draft this little ninja turtle, and he's been worse. I don't understand how he's been so bad. No, like I said, I, uh, I traded for him with very high hopes and yeah, he's, uh, he's been terrible. Um, but yeah, your team, uh, 
you probably can't look at this score and think, yeah, you're back because you're getting 24 from Jonas Johnston, um, Johnson, sorry, uh, and 18, 18 from the Buccaneers defense. So that's probably slightly inflated. Um, because yeah, you'll lose Johnson shortly. Um, yeah, there are some. What? Sorry. You lose the on uh, the Deonis, but you put Cook back into the the roster. Yeah, you do. You do. So right. your team will still be solid. See what you get for Cook if he does get traded. Um, but yeah, you're still uh, you're still a running back short. Is uh, is my point? Unless you were relying on Daddy Gaskin. Yeah, he's too inconsistent. But look, I've had a theme of really sourcing running back talent over the years. You know, I was a cream hunt truther when no one cared about him, and I know that he's been injured. But you know, he was. In, RB8 before he got injured. Fournette, who you couldn't get rid of for a small pack of chips. I've, you know, been all in on Lombardi money. Just source these talents. So eventually they're going to break out sooner or later. I'm back in here. So next year, next year we take uh, Daddy Gaskin in the second round or? Maybe not that high. Look, I probably missed the mark with Antonio Gibson. Um, That (laughs) maybe. uh, A failed assumption, but... That one hurts. I had a trade with George to offload uh, offload Gibson in a package involving uh, Jonathan Taylor, which I'm very much regretting not taking now. Gibson is running on one leg, and McKissick might even uh, might even take over when they get down early in games. It's pretty much just throwing a McKissick. Um, yeah, you might have missed the boat on that. But if he gets healthy, like the, the signs were there that he was going to be a genuine... Uh, three down workhorse back and yeah it uh, hasn't materialized unfortunately all right jay you know we all made mistakes like after the first week matt ryan posted seven against philly and i cracked the shits because i've had him on my team for five years and traded him for brandon Ayuk. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what did he get benched from uh, returning punts he did. So I don't understand. Like he come back and, and it's funny like this is a great story that i need to tell the league um, just as we wrap things up Ayuk, he come back that week and scored a touchdown. Um, Mac offered me Antonio Brown for Ayuk straight swap. I said, oh. I said no. Um, and then after five minutes, I was like, ah, oh, maybe that's actually a pretty good trade. Eh? And my response was, is Brown on a ventilator? Because it's when he missed a week with COVID. <laughs> and I think that's karma for making it a joke about COVID. Um, How bad is it when you look back on... Uh look back on the offers that you decline and they end up being really good. I remember pre-season when I traded, uh, traded Joe Mixon for Gus Edwards and Mike Evans. Um, I had the choice between Evans and Cooper Cup. And I tossed and turned and went with Mike Evans after much thought. And now uh, Cooper Cup's like the best wide receiver in the league. So, yeah, those, uh, those decisions that you think are really tight at the time um, – can just really blow out in one way's favour and it stings. It does. Like I'm losing sleep at night for the fact that I panicked and traded Jamar Chase because I actually thought there was some, you know, substance in the allegations of him beating his missus. Um, but little did <laughs> and you know, and the fact that he dropped two catches at practice and everyone says he's going to be a bust. Now he's just posted, oh. you know, 200 yards and a touchdown and he's having arguably the, the best rookie season in history. Did everyone predict- that was, that was crazy. He drops a couple of balls in pre-season as a rookie and everyone loses their mind and says he's going to be a bust. Like, I think, uh, I think Gibb did well by uh, recognising that he was uh, going to be a stud and, yeah, his, uh, his season's been pretty crazy so far. 
And that's why Gibb is the undisputed, the champ champ, the messiah. He is. Because, he is. And if it's not Gibb, he's out there probably fucking your bitch or something like that. Um, Gibb didn't ask me to work that in, but this podcast is sponsored by gibbsbet.com.au. Thanks again for joining me tonight, Jay. Appreciate having you on the podcast for this extended chat. It sort of almost turned into a counselling session there at the end. For <laughs> for us, it was, it was good to, you know, let that out. No, it's been a rough season, mate, but uh, I appreciate having me on. It's been good to talk to you. It's been good to chat to you. I hope I can get you on the podcast in the next six to eight weeks. <laughs> no worries, mate. Catch you later.